0: morning good morning, good morning mommy. as uh, as chris said it was two years ago matter of fact my wife was looking at the memories on facebook this morning and it had a facebook live of the last day we were in our house in kentucky we left out on august 1st in order to head to uh, to new york and listen it has been a ride hasn't it guys oh man it has been crazy uh, what we've gone through over the past couple of years. Uh, but as I, I shared with the uh, the first service, I'm glad I went through this with you guys. Okay? Um, I can't think of, of any other group of people that I would have rather gone through a struggle like we've been through than you guys. And it has been a struggle for all of us um, in different ways and in many ways very, very similar, but we've gone through it together. And you know what? We'll have struggles ahead. Struggles that aren't even related to the pandemic as we move forward. And as long as we're together, we can make it through. We've, we've made it through this one, we can make it through the next one, and we just continue, continue to move forward. Listen, guys, we have gone through this series called Conversations on Ministry. We felt that this was a great series to do with our theme for the year being Do Something, all about, about ministry. And so we've had these conversations on ministry and, and different aspects of it that we can look at. And, and so today we're talking about how do we get volunteers? How do we get Volunteers. I have been a part of small churches, I've been a part of large churches, I've been a part of medium-sized churches, and in all churches, you know what the two biggest struggles are in any of those, regardless of the size, you know what the two biggest struggles are? Finances and volunteers. (laughs) Regardless of the size of the church. Same struggles, finances and volunteers. And what a church really has to do is to look at that and go, okay, what do we do? Because we talk a lot about personal responsibility in discovering our shape, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, our experiences. But we haven't talked a whole lot about the church's responsibility in that. Because you see, it goes hand in hand. Yes, you do have a personal responsibility in getting an understanding of how God has equipped you And how God has prepared you for the service that he had planned out for you before you were even born. That is your responsibility. But it's the church's responsibility to walk with you in that. And and to look at some of the things we're going to be talking about this morning. To walk hand in hand. You are not on this journey alone. And so what does a church do to get volunteers? Y'all remember a few weeks ago, at least I hope you remember, (laughs) I I used an illustration of Napoleon pointing down at a map, and he pointed at China. Y'all remember that illustration I used a few weeks ago? (laughs) And when he pointed at China, he looked up and he said, there lies a sleeping giant. And if it ever wakes up, the world will never be the same. I believe that about the church. That the church is a sleeping giant, and if we ever wake up, the world will never be the same. When we read about the church in the book of Acts, that church turned the world upside down. They were doing so much that it disrupted the status quo of the known world at that time. And listen, we are different people than we read about in the New, in the, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. But it's the same God it's the same God working in us and through us whatever the church did then the church can do now Rick Warren put it this way if we awaken and unleash the massive talent resources creativity and energy found in a typical local church Christianity will grow at an unprecedented rate. Because we will be doing what God has called us to do. God never called us to be people who just come to come to service on Sunday morning and hear a sermon and, and make sure we live by a, a moral standard. He's called us to change the world. To turn the world upside down. And as we awaken to that, as we, as that is unleashed in us, we will make a bigger and bigger impact in this world. But it has a lot to do with us discovering and implementing each one of our ministries. We've looked at this passage several times this year as our theme has been do something. It's uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Verses eleven through sixteen, and it says it was He, referring to Christ. It was He who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers, to prepare God's people for works of service, so that the body of Christ might be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining the whole measure of Christ. <laughs> You see, each one of us has a ministry that we do, and it helps out the whole church. It's not just for your benefit. It's for the benefit of the whole congregation. Because, you see, when I use my gift to serve God and you use your gift to serve God, it helps me mature, it helps you mature, we become more mature as a congregation, <laughs> we develop more unity within the congregation, we get a better understanding of. Of, the, of who Jesus is. And then this passage goes on to give us even more results when we become a tour in that. In verse 14, it says, Then you will no longer be tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, You will let all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. And we talked about, you know, speaking the truth in love. Because immaturity likes to go to one extreme or the other, don't they? I mean, on one extreme, it's all about the truth. man. It's shotgun, barrel, straight, and this is the way it is, and I don't care what you think. This is the truth of Scripture. And if you don't agree with that, you're going to hell. You've probably heard people like that, haven't you? But then on the other end, you've got people that's all about the love. It's like, can't we just all get along? You believe your thing, I believe my thing. Every everything's okay. We'll be all right. Let's just smile. We'll love to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony. And so you've got one extreme or the other, but both extremes are marks of immaturity. Maturity is when you marry those, because. Truth without love is not real truth. And love without truth is not real love. It's when they marry, it's when they become a part of us, both of them become a part of us. (laughs) When we're able to speak the truth in love, that is one of the, the strongest characteristics of maturity. In our faith. Now we have looked at those those verses 11 through 15 quite a bit. What we have not looked at this year is verse 16. In verse 16, it says, "From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament." Grows and builds itself up in love. And look at this last line as each part does its work. Is that that interest? You see, I cannot grow as adequately as I should grow without you doing your ministry. And you can't grow as adequately as you should grow without me doing my ministry and the people in front of you and behind you doing their ministry. As each part does their work, all this begins to happen. The maturity, the unity, growing in the knowledge of the Son of God, speaking the truth in love. All of this begins to happen when each part does its work. Now, Gallup, they do polls all over the place. Do, they do a number of different polls. One of the studies that they did is people's involvement in churches, people in churches and, and what percentage is actually involved in some kind of volunteer ministry. This is what they discovered. Across the board, a typical church has about 10% of their members that are involved in some kind of ministry. They have 50% that have no interest. No interest whatsoever. They just like to come, hear a sermon, and go on. They probably live by some kind of moral standard, but they just don't get involved. I tell you what, when I hear that, it's sad me Because this is what I come to understand. That 50% don't get it. They don't get what it's all about. This is such a large part of what the whole Christian faith is about. It's about serving God in the way that He has shaped you. Your spiritual gifts, your heart, your ability, your personality, and your experiences. And using that to serve God. It's an amazing thing. Amen. And that 50% are missing out. As a church... I believe we have a responsibility to develop a culture of ministry. To develop a culture of ministry to the point that when somebody becomes a member, it's automatic for them that they get plugged in somewhere. Hey, where can I serve? What can I do? Then it just becomes automatic because it becomes a part of our DNA, of who we are. It's this ministry culture that we have. And if we're going to do that, I believe there's some components that need to be in place. And I want to talk about three of those here this morning. And the first one is the component of expectation. Expectation. In Ephesians 2, verse 10, it says, For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus, to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. We are a part of what God has created for a specific purpose, for serving Him in a specific ministry or service or task. If God has those expectations, then we as a church should have those expectations as well. Now, please don't misunderstand me. If you're visiting with us, if you're checking us out, if you're coming to just, you've heard about this Jesus thing and you want to find out a little more, Do that. Come and check us out. If you've made the commitment to follow Jesus and to be a part of this congregation, that's the one I'm talking to. About stepping up and being a part in some type of service or ministry for Jesus. Now, let me just say this. Sometimes we need breaks. And that's okay. That's okay. Jesus needed time away. You read the Gospels. There's times that he got away from the crowd and just, just kind of recharge. <clears> there <throat> are times you will need to recharge. You just need to get away for a period of time and not do anything for a period of time. That's the key phrase there, for a period of time. You don't want to continue. You don't want to spend years sitting on the sidewalk. Because God has something for you to do. And as a church, we should have those expectations. And an interesting thing, because sometimes churches are afraid to have high expectations of their members because they're afraid, well, they won't become members or they'll go somewhere else or or something like that. The people that study church trends, Tom Rayner is one of them, um, Ed Stetzer is another one, these guys study church trends and stuff like that, this is what they found out. That churches that have higher expectations of their members are more likely to grow. Why is that? Why? Because we think, oh, you know, we can't, we can't expect too much. And now, listen, I'm not talking about free slave labor. I'm not talking about wearing people out in ministry and stuff like that. But I am talking about getting plugged in to serve in some capacity. And Tom Rainer even wrote a book on this called "High Expectations," about how churches that have an expectation of their members to get involved in ministry are actually growing more than those that do not. Why? Because you get to be a part of what God is doing in this world. That's what it comes down to. It's not just, oh, let me have something to do. Yeah, that's a good organization down there. I'm going to do something. Listen. God is turning this world upside down. And he wants you to be a part of that. Does he need you? No. <laughs> he doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. But he desires, he passionately desires us to be a part of what he is doing in this world. Turn this world upside down. To bring more of his will into this world. And when you think about it like that, High expectations are just part of the game. If we're going to create a ministry culture, I think the first thing that we have, the first component we have, are those expectations of when people become a follower of Jesus and become a part of our congregation, that we begin that journey with them of finding out how God has shaped them. Remember when we went through that a few weeks or a month or so ago? Spiritual gifts, shape is an acronym for spiritual gifts, our heart. Our abilities, our personality, and our experiences. And using that to plug people in into a ministry, not just to be doing something, but in a way that God has prepared them. second component that we need to have is equipping. Being able to equip people. Because all the time, this is what happens in churches, right? Here's somebody who's willing to help. Here's something that needs to be done. We take them, we throw it in there, and then we go do something else. And then we wonder why six months down the road they're not coming to church anymore. We threw them to the wolves. We didn't do any type of training. We didn't make sure that that was the right place where they needed to be plugged in. We didn't do anything. we like, oh yes, a volunteer. Wow. Churches do that all the time. And listen, as I'm saying this, I'm not saying that we're bad in this. But we don't ever want to settle. We may be great in this, but we still want to continue to get better. We don't ever want to settle and say, "Eh, we're pretty good. Let's not worry about it. Always want to have that continuous improvement. And so we want to equip you. You know, when I gave that uh, statistic earlier from the Gallup poll, 10% were involved, 50% had no interest. What does that leave us? 40, right? Is my math right? 40 percent. This is what they also discovered. With that other 40 percent, that 40 percent of church members have an interest in serving, but they've either never been asked, or they don't know how. And let me say, that's the church's fault, if that happens. Now sure, we'll ask from the front. We'll make a big announcement. Hey, we need somebody to help in this. But if you've been in church more than six months, you know that that typically doesn't work. You might get somebody every now and then. Why? Because we don't listen, do we? We don't listen to (laughs) announcements. I mean, we'll announce something for eight weeks. And then when it happens, somebody goes, Well, I didn't know that was taking place. But we announced it for eight weeks. You know? But listen, I'm as guilty as anybody. Sometimes I don't hear them because we just get in a routine, and it's like yeah, 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 yeah. But it's better if you ask people individually, and we're we're even going to get a little deeper into this here in a second. Ask somebody individually. Hey, I think you might be good in this. What do you think? And the individual can either say yes or no. But here's what they can't do. They can't just ignore it. Which either by default or intention often happens when we make announcements from up front. And so we, want, we just want to be more intentional. And then we want to train people for, for specific ministries. How does this work? What do I do? What are my responsibilities? What's my time commitment? We want people to make an educated decision. On whether to be involved in this ministry or that ministry. Some ministries take a little more time and effort than other ministries. But they're all important as we get people plugged in. Listen, one of the things that we're going to do uh, coming up later this year is we're doing a class called um, a 301 class where we look at our shape. We're going to to teach on each one of those areas. And then as a part of that, we're going to have a one-on-one interview on where you feel you might best fit in to either an existing ministry that we already have or possibly starting a new ministry in a way that God has shaped you. Now, I know for some of you, you think new ministry, that sounds cool. That really, I don't want to start anything new. Put me in something already established. You know what? That's because that's the way God has shaped you. Some of you knew this excites you. Some of you knew this scares you. And both are okay. Both are okay. Because we need people who are both scared and excited about new things. So we're going to do this, this shape class probably in November. <laughs> and it's a part of, of a, a series of classes. Some of you have taken the 101 class. We're... Basically, a membership class, but I would encourage you, even if you're already a member, if you haven't taken it, to take take the 101 class. We're going to offer this in September. In October, we have the 201 class, which is about spiritual growth the foundational things that we really need to do in order to be able to grow spiritually. And then the one that builds on top of that is the 301 class. Where we look at our shape, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences, and be able to plug into a ministry from that. You know the reason we're doing all that? Because we want to be more intentional about equipping people for ministry, not just throwing them into the wolves. We want to equip people. Every other month, our, our eldership and our staff get together, and part of our meeting is leadership training. We're very intentional about what it means to be a leader and how to grow and be a better leader within a congregation. And and let me just tell you, most churches don't do that stuff. They just don't. And it needs to change. (laughs) Because we need to be equipped for the ministry that God has for us. And we want to become more and more intentional about that as a church. So expectations, equipping, and then the third component is empowerment. We want to empower you to be able to release you from ministry. Most churches do one of of, of two extremes. They either just throw you to the wolves and say, here it is, go have fun. Or they become such micromanagers, just like, man, you got to do this. This is exactly how it works. This is this is the way we've always done it since 1952, and it will work again if we just uh, pour our heart and soul into this and do it exactly the way Mr. John Jacob Jingleheim schmidt started in 1952. <laughs> and let me just say, both extremes are unhealthy. We need to equip. We need to train, continuously train, and there needs to be oversight. Obviously, there needs to be oversight, but there doesn't need to be micromanagement. Once you you take off in a minute, run with it. Run with it. We're there with you. We want to go on this journey with you. We're not just turning you loose, but we want you to have creative influence on what is going on. And that's Empowerment. And another way that we can empower our people is just by showing appreciation. Just a simple thank you for doing it. And let me just, just encourage you, and I know many of you do this already. Maybe all of you do this already. But just in case you don't, when you see somebody doing something, from time to time, just thank them. I mean, downstairs, I just I heard you know two or three different people thanking Ruth for setting out the donuts. Stuff like that. Listen, that that's simple. We kind of take that for granted, but that takes time, energy, and effort to make that happen. It's a ministry. That's what it is. It is a ministry. And we all benefit from it. Some a little more than others. (laughs) But just take an opportunity to show appreciation. Let me just say, we've got a group of elders. Part of our leadership team here at Glencoe Christian Church that are completely volunteer, but they pour a lot of time, energy, and effort. And because they love you, you realize biblically the word "elder" and the word "pastor" are the same. The only difference between those two words are the spelling, biblically. So they're they're overseers. They're they're like shepherds over a flock with the congregation and that's a heavy responsibility and let me just tell you over the past couple years it's been much heavier than it typically is you our leaders have had to make decisions that they didn't really have any precedent to follow and and we weren't always confident about but we felt we made a decision we ran with it if we needed to make adjustments we made those adjustments and listen they didn't always agree on what decision to make in those meetings but we eventually came together as we moved forward that's maturity and so they've had a heavy burden on their shoulders and I think think we had several in our our first uh, meeting I think maybe we only have one here but Bruno, or any other elders that may be here, will you stand up? And listen, if you believe that being a leader in a church is easy, ask their spouse, all right? Yeah, just ask their spouse. And they may not even get the whole picture, but they get enough to know that it is a heavy burden. We've also got some people in this church that are involved in ministry, and many of them even lead ministries. We refer refer to those people as our deacons. Deacons also have a heavy responsibility on them and what they do in the church. (laughs) And and with the deacons, a lot of what they do, we don't even see. It's kind of behind the, the, the curtain kind of thing. But if it didn't happen, we would all notice. Okay? Because it's things that have to be done in order to make things run smoothly. And many of our deacons make that happen. So if you're here this morning and you're one of our deacons, would you stand up, please? Thank you. We appreciate you. We had a few more in the early service, but we appreciate you and what you do and, and what your ministry means to this congregation. And let me just say this. There's many here. They don't have a title of elder or pastor or deacon. But man, they are involved in ministry. They do things, and again, like I said before, if it didn't get done, we would notice. We don't notice that it gets done, but we would notice if it didn't get done. And we have we have a, a great group of people here that serve. To make sure that things run smoothly. So, if you are involved in any type of ministry or you've been recently involved, you may have been taking a short break, but if you've been recently involved in any type of ministry here at Glencoe Christian Church, would you stand for us this morning, please? Love you guys. Love you guys. Can we just take a minute and appreciate what you and Joe do? And oh, Danny. <laughs> and Karen and Allie are also uh, part of our Let's, Let me just say, if it was left up to Joe and I, things would not run nearly as smoothly as they do, okay? Um, Joe's a little more detailed than I am. We're both, you know, big picture people. We cast vision. We inspire people. We love you guys. And we use our guests in that way. But there's a lot of things that would not get done if it was just up to Joe and myself. Okay? Everybody plays a role, and, and no role is any more important than the other doesn't always get the line right, but you let that not happen, and you'll see how important it is. And we all play those roles. We all have those ministry opportunities to be able to make a difference in the congregation and in the world. Ephesians, we spent a lot of time in Ephesians today. I would encourage you to read this book, maybe later today or sometime this week pretty short six short chapters as you know bible chapters are not like regular book chapters you can go through it pretty quick but in ephesians chapter 3 verses 20 and 21 it says now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine through his power that is at work in us All glory in the church and in Jesus Christ. All glory to him in the church and in Jesus Christ. Throughout the generations, forever and ever. Amen. (laughs) Listen, when we unleash that power of God working in us, great things can happen. Because you realize your ministry is not just about your strengths. Matter of fact, your strength, your abilities, your spiritual gifts, all of that comes from God. And if God can give it to you, guess what else God can do? He can take it away. Right? So even your personal spiritual gifts and abilities and talents are not about your power. Because without God's power, you wouldn't have them. It's all about His power working in us and through us. And this God can do immeasurably more than all we could ask for imagine. I mean, have you ever stopped to think about the implications of that? I mean, some of us have pretty big imaginations, right? You know what the most powerful nation in the world is, right? Imagination. Most powerful nation in the world. You dream it up, you see it, you get a vision of it, and you go do it. But God is able to do immeasurably more than that. And notice that word there immeasurably more. It doesn't say God is able to do a little bit more than all we ask or imagine. It says God is able to do immeasurably. We can't even measure how much more God can do in us and through us. So much more than what we can dream up on our own. I've shared with you guys. <laughs> We've got approximately 13,000 people in Glen Cove. Not counting the surrounding area. In Glen Cove that do not have a personal relationship with Jesus. You realize 1% of that would be 130 people, right? Am I right? Is my math right? Math is not my strong point. And I'm doing this off the cuff. Where are we going to put 130 more? Just think. What? Just think about this. What if we just reach ten percent of thirteen thousand? That's over a thousand people. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, "Come on, Tommy. Listen. God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine." There are 13,000 people just in the Glencoe area that may end up in hell if we don't reach you the gospel. What does that say to our hearts? And he is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. But he'll do it through each one of us, using our gifts and abilities to serve Him you know, in the way that He is prepared to serve Him. Not everybody's a preacher. Not everybody's a teacher. Not everybody can fix cars. Not everybody can do electricity and do construction. Not, listen, we all have our gifts, and God uses each one of those to do immeasurably more. Than we could ever ask for or imagine. He's a great God. Let's just allow Him to unleash all the massive talent, resources, creativity, and energy that He has in each one of us. Just let the cards fall what they may. That sound like fun. That excites me. It excites me. I'm excited about what God has in store for us here at Christian Church, Church. Let's pray, God. We thank you that you desire, you passionately desire for us to be a part of what you're doing in this world. God, you are changing people's lives. You are helping people to break habits. You are saving marriages. You are turning lives around. You are pulling people out of just horrible situations. God, you are taking people who are steeped in depression and you are giving them immeasurable joy. God, you are saving people from going to hell so that they can spend eternity in heaven with you. And God, we just want to be a part We just want to be a part of what you're doing. Because it's the greatest thing in the world to be a part of what you are doing in this world. It's in Jesus' precious and powerful name that I pray Amen.